for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. And let's receive it with the great RT welcome, our very own Minister Carlos Wyndham. Come on and give God some praise for him as he comes. I, um, I feel like uh, so much of the word has been spoken already today by the likes of Brother Errol and Antoine and the... Uh, I call my, my church daddy, Brother Mark Bryant. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, we could dismiss now. And then I thought like, oh, wait, I'm bringing the word. So I can't, we can't be dismissed. Um, I just want to go before the Lord. And I want to pray because I look out and I see so many of you that I, I care about. And I see so many people out here who represent different chapters of my life. For instance, uh, my children. Can you please raise your hand, my children, all my children? <laughs> yeah, if, if, if my life was a soap opera. <laughs> so I call them my magnificent seven because there's seven of them. Um, I see... My other father, nobody knew I had a white daddy, but <laughs> Pastor John Weidman and Jackie Weidman and the Weidman family, he's been like a dad to me because as Pastor Devin said, without a title, he took up that towel and, and this jerry curl wearing little skinny teenager on the west side of Detroit. It's funny, I'm glad I don't have any pictures, but I am one of Jerry's kids and that's probably why I have no hair now. Tom Burke of the Navigators organization. It is a discipleship and mentoring program for all of the nations, men, women, boys, and girls of every single nation. Uh, I, I got to spend some time with him in uh, Colorado Springs last weekend, which is why I wasn't here. But I had a wonderful time out there. Uh, we hung out in an actual castle, a castle. And uh, it made me think about what Jesus said. In my father's house are many, many rooms. And man, let me tell you, this place had many, many rooms. I didn't get to sleep in none of them, but it had many, many rooms. And so, uh, Tom Burke, I thank you for coming, brother. God bless you. And all the way back to my childhood, my beloved cousin, Flo. I love you, Flo. Raise your hand there. She is coming in from... Greater Philadelphia Church of God in Christ. It's uh, my church home. So we be Kojic up in here. So please forgive me if I might step back a little bit and be a little Kojic. <laughs> Where we don't say Holy Spirit, we say Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm not going to be before you long because, like I said, I feel like the word's already gone out. So co consider this like a, like a PS to the love letter. You've gotten the love letter. You've gotten the body of the letter. So just look at me as, yeah, PS, I love you. All right. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you. 
I praise you and I glorify your name. God, I just pray right now that as this time goes forth, that, Lord, you would speak to your people. That, God, you would earmark those who this message is for. That, God, you would touch the hearts and minds and prompt to movement. Lord, this is about you. This is just a vessel that submits to your usage. I pray for my brothers and sisters, those who are here and those who are not here. I pray especially for my mother Lorraine. I pray, oh God, that, Lord, if she is watching or hearing or praying in the spirit, oh God, I pray that you touch her body today. Touch Father Golf right now, Lord. Touch him in such a miraculous way. And the whole Golf family, God, I thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, Lord, I just pray. Be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go with me to the book of John. John. So Pastor Devin told me that we are starting the series called Reach, John chapter 3. I figured, well, Lord, why not start at the place where you told us in the beginning? This is pretty much where we get the message of why God wants us to come to him, correct? He made it clear to Nicodemus that we need to be born again. That's the basic message. Um, I had something up, I should have had something up on the screen by now, but in John chapter three, ha, there we go. I call this Jesus's night watch ministry because in John chapter three, the Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And Jesus was one of those guys that apparently you didn't want to hang out with in the daytime because he was so raw and so rugged that people like Nicodemus couldn't see him or hang out with him in the daytime. So he had to come see him at night. So when Pastor Devin is telling us everything doesn't have to be said up here, you can go into the night. You can go into the city, you can go into the towns and in the households, and you can talk to the people at night. So Jesus' specialty at this time was a night watch ministry because most of the time during the day, he was so busy upsetting people, he was so busy preaching the truth, and he was so busy being raw about the truth that people couldn't stand him. So the people who felt like they could take a little more of him came to him at night. So in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. No man can do these things, these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus said, No one, right up there, can do these things that you do unless God's with them. Go to the next one, please. Jesus responded and said, Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not about whether or not you get to step into the vestibule of heaven. If you're not born again, he said, you won't even see the kingdom of God. That is a scary thought. We're talking about reaching. We're talking about outreach. 
we need to tell the people that unless they be born again, they won't even see the kingdom of God. Before I go further, guys, I want to uh, sort of kind of put out a disclaimer here. Uh, through the years that, 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 that I've been at this church, I've recognized a lot of people of very eloquent speech have uh, graced the stage here. So I want to put out the disclaimer that there may be some words and some terminologies that you more intellectual people may not get or may get, I don't know, but I'm gonna share a few with you here. You may see me use words, next screen please. You may hear me use words such as I be, you be, they be, we be. You might hear me use words like that. Not proper terminology, but they are improper subject nouns. You may also hear me use other things like beginning phrases. I'm a finna, bouta, okay? Not as eloquent as people like Pastor Tim or Pastor Devin or Pastor Kevin or some of the other more educated people. I may use terms like that, all right? I may also do things like using two to four word terminologies and I may combine them into one sentence. For instance, I don't know, where they at? All right then, they down there, holla at your boy. Two to three word sentences. Next, there's a whole lot more, but there's also some unhonorable mentions. Show enough, for show, skirt, dilio, ratchet, stuff like that. And you may be sitting there going, hey, wait a minute. Is that even possible that you can use all of those crazy words in a sentence? Of course you can. For instance, I'm sure enough in the acts if y'all about to pray this word be on fleek because I don't know which way God gonna take this because he be on a whole nother level where we be and whatever you be asking where they at, he'll tell you they down there and all you can say is all right then because you be thinking that they be ratchet for show but you be finding 50 different ways that they be the real dealio. So before you pull off in your whip, don't be scared. Come holler at a brother because I'm about to lose my mind up in here, up in here. So for all you intellects in the place, just get ready. A brother from the west side, we get down like that. So back to the real thing. <laughs> so Jesus was saying, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he goes on to tell Nicodemus a few other things. But then he ends up by saying in verse 7, Marvel not, marvel not, that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. So people, this is Jesus' night watch ministry. But he says, listen, whether daytime or night, you have to tell the people these people that you have sit sticking up here on the, on the uh, boards here, you have to tell them, ye must be born again. 
This is not about you getting all dressed up and pretty and coming and sitting here on Sundays, which America calls the most segregated time of American history during a seven-day week. But during those other six days, we have a responsibility, as the pastor told us, that we have to tell man, woman, boy, and girl that the kingdom is at hand. Repent, ye must be born again. So what are we talking about on Wednesday nights with your teenagers? You're about to hear it. Send your teenagers on Wednesday nights because I tell them the same thing I'm about to tell you. About to, get it? So I'm about to tell you the same thing that I tell your children. So if you're worried about what your children are getting on Wednesday nights, you're about to get a taste of it right here. I tell them just like I tell you, you must be born again. Down to verse 14. He said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But then he repeats the same thing again in verse 16. Brother, we thank you for memorizing that scripture. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So all you have to do is believe and you shall have eternal life. But here's where the world gets it wrong. They get mad at us church folks. They get mad at us Christians because they feel like we're here to judge them. But he said, listen, God, verse 17, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through the world they might be saved. So God didn't come here to judge you and bash you over the head with huge lightning bolts. He said he came that you might be saved. 18, he that believeth in him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. This is what you can tell the people. It's as simple as this. You believe you have eternal life. You don't believe you are condemned already. It's that simple. You don't have to be eloquent of speech. Just tell the people, believe or not believe. Everlasting life condemnation and this 19 is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil for everyone that doeth evil hates the light don't tell me that you love God and you walk in darkness Don't tell me that, oh, he's still working on me, but yet your everyday lifestyle is a different way. People who practice darkness love darkness. For everyone that doeth evil, verse 20, hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. How many of you know that sin incubates in darkness, that whatever we do is eventually going to come to the light? But for as long as you do that deed in the dark, you're only setting yourself up to be exposed in the light. But if you bring those deeds to the light where he is, they can be reproved and you can be forgiven and you can have eternal life. But we have to understand what is the difference between the light and the darkness. Because if we're going into the darkness to talk about the light, we have to tell what are the deeds of darkness. They have to know. But some people claim they don't know. Well, 
Let's get that straight. Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll try to make this as fast as I possibly can. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. You can read it in your Bible or we can read it up top here. Here's what's funny. You can stay there in 1 Corinthians 1, but I'm going to read in Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in him, for God showed it to them. So we don't have to, we don't need a Bible. We don't need for God to show us the Bible or the preacher because the things that he already wants us to know, he showed it to us. It doesn't necessarily take a Bible, but you need the Bible to confirm what the difference is between light and darkness because he's already showed it to you. For the invisible things of him, verse 20, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Whether saved or unsaved, ladies and gentlemen, we are all without excuse. If God woke you up this morning, that was a display of grace and mercy. If you did not wake up this morning, grace and mercy is done and judgment is set. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, as we can see up here, it says, Do you not know? King James says, Know ye not? But do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? There is righteous and there is unrighteous. But he said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? He puts another line, be not deceived. In other words, he's saying, don't get this twisted. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Because this is a society that loves to have sex, sex, sex. Especially with people we're not married to. What God is saying that if you are practicing fornication, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. Nor idolaters. What is an idolater? Well, I can tell you what that is. This is definitely the age of idolatry. We worship everything except God. Everybody in the place, if you hold up one of these, if you own one of these, guess what? You own an idol. Why? Because this thing has more information on it than we need to have on it, and it takes our attention away from the things that matter, and sometimes some of the things we look at are not pleasing to God neither idolaters. We are in relationships where we put that person before God. We are in jobs that we put before God. We make money that we put before God. Make this known, people. If it was not for God, you wouldn't have that money. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have that job. Let's not talk about, oh man, you need to understand. I need to go make this money. Listen, God ain't stupid. I've talked to brothers and sisters all over this place, and they made it clear I had to get this thing right. I know a brother right now who was working on Sundays. He said, look, I gave that thing up. I'm here on Sundays with my family now because that's what matters. <laughs> Jobs can be an idol. 
clothes, looks. Believe it or not, once upon a time, I was one of the best-looking brothers you had ever seen. I had hair longer than most of you women in here. Was in the mirror 24-7. Well, he handled that, didn't he? Idols. He ain't pleased with that. Adulterers, uh-oh. These are people who we have relationships with who are not our spouse, when we are already spoused to someone else. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not get it twisted. Jesus already made it clear. He said, listen, if we even look upon somebody in a lustful way, we've already blown it. We've already blown it. I'm not saying you got to get down and dirty with them, but he said, look, if you've already made that eye contact, when you know what I'm talking about, us married people in here, we've seen it before. You talking to that person at the job, that opposite sex, they look good to you, you look good to them, and y'all make that eye contact, oh, you better go repent right there. That's where it starts. I'm always told by women all the time, yep, all he did was just looked at me a certain way, and I knew right then and there he wasn't no good. What's bad is when it's happening in the house of God. Let's not get it twisted, people. We need to live a life that's separate from what the world is doing. Oh, you might as well go on and give them the praise. Hard word, I'm sorry. But listen, he also said homosexuals are sodomites. Now, oh, Lord. Guys, I know we're in a time where things are starting to become a little more accepted than it used to be. So bad to where now even the laws are saying we have to accept this. Now, believe me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not judging anybody, and I'm not saying that whatever your struggles are are not legitimate, but I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says, that a homosexual or a sodomite will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I understand what the laws say, and I understand that they say, hey, do not judge me. We're not judging you. I won't judge you. I'm one of the most least judgmental people you'll ever know. I will love you no matter what, and so will God. But he said, listen, there is a lifestyle that I'm calling you to live. If this is part of it, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm just telling you. Going back to Romans, in the 27th, uh, 27th verse, he said, likewise, for this God gave them up to vile passions. Look at this. Even their women exchanged the natural use for what was against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful. We need to call sin what it is. It's shameful. And receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. We got to tell the world, people, that this is not of God. I don't care what the law says. I remember my old pastor said at Walker Memorial, he said they can say what they want out there, but if they come in here. And even as they not, did not retain God in their knowledge, this is what God did. When he sees that you want to be foolish enough to continue in a lifestyle, he'll back up. This is what the Bible says. He said he gave them over to a debased 
King James says, a reprobate mind to do those things which were not fitting. It's so bad, ladies and gentlemen, that we got boys walking around thinking they're girls. We got girls walking around thinking they're boys. Whatever it is, whatever you want to call it intellectually, the Bible calls it sin. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says, people. Next, nor thieves. I'll tell you, as of the last year, people, a thief has made it to the top of my list. It was in February of 2016 that my beloved, beautiful Crown Victoria police interceptor car, yeah, I got one, was sitting out in front of my house one night and somebody decided to make it theirs. The stock for thieves in my book went up about 20 points. And I said, God be with you, but if I ever find out who you were, God be with you. But God was gracious and he gave me back my car and I said, praise the Lord. And I forgave that thief. <laughs> Nor covetous, wanting what other people have. Listen, don't compare yourself to other people. What God has for you is for you. You don't have to worry about what somebody else has. Husband, wife, job, money, clothes, cars, houses, whatever the thing is. Joy in the heart is really what you should be going for. And a closeness with the Lord should be what you're going for. And whatever he, he gives you, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. So you don't have to worry about what somebody else has. Don't covet what somebody else has. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. I don't care what somebody looks like they have. Trust me, you don't know what the undercurrent of struggle is in their life. They may be up here pretending like it's one thing, but deep down under, you don't know what's going on. I know we look at the TV and we just love looking at us, some Drake, some Rihanna, and all that other nonsense. But you know what? We don't know what's going on in a personal life. But God is good, so we don't have to covet that. Drunkards, do we really got to go into that? Some people really like turning up that bottle, turned up. And not only that, if it ain't that wet stuff, it's that dry stuff. Oh, man, back up off me. I got the card. Okay. <laughs> Can't live without it. Oh, it helps with my MS. It helps with my cancer. It helps with my diarrhea. <laughs> Don't be deceived. God is not stupid. Revilers. What is a reviler? A person who talks very, very mean and abusive about other people. Gossipers. People who just say some of the nastiest things about people, about them into their face. Verbally abusive. I thank God we just made it through this nasty election in the last year. Some of the nastiest things are being said. But what's bad is that when those things make it into the church and it divides the church, and that's exactly what the devil wants, is for somebody to be on the right and somebody to be on the left and him right there in the middle keeping this division. But the Lord is calling us to unity. So we need to leave that nonsense alone and stop trying to give God, uh, get, stop trying to give Caesar what belongs to God and let the people of God come together and determine what's right or wrong. And let's not talk about each other to or behind each other's back. We can be better than this. Yes. That's a good word. 
He's calling us to live a good life, a better life. I praise God for my sister Sylvia. I love her sitting back there. She gives me these quotes every single week almost. And she says, okay, hang around, son. I'm about to give you another one. And every now and then she'll give me these little little uh, five by seven cards with quotes on it. And one of my favorite ones is, she said, good, better, best. Never let it rest till good becomes better and better becomes best. We don't want to just be good walking for the Lord. We don't want to just be better. We want to be the best. We don't want just good from God. We want what's best for him, from him. Extortioners. Well, that's just a whole nother problem because people love money too much. We're manipulative. We do things that we shouldn't do to get it and to maintain it. But how many of you don't understand that money, people, is just a tool? That's all it is. See, if you keep your pockets full of money, it's like keeping your pockets full of screwdrivers and hammers and nails. It don't mean nothing until you use it. Of course, you have to save it up and do what's right with it, but God is calling you to build the kingdom. So if you're blessed with some of that finance, you better bring some of that into the house of the Lord because what matters is building the kingdom, reaching sinners, raising believers, and releasing leaders. Trust me, God will bless you on the other end. I can't afford to tithe. It's a commandment. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be meat in my house. Test me in this. He said, trust me with your money. And see, won't I bust open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. It's time for the church to start trusting the God that it's supposed to be serving in the first place. Stop giving your money to the devil and to the world and start building up the kingdom of God. We're robbing God. None of those people will inherit the kingdom of God. But ladies and gentlemen, there is hope. I didn't come here to beat up on you, just to show you a few things. I'm going to end this thing because I know we're running out of time. I need you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Back in the day, we used to call it do the right thing. Chapter 30, in verse 14 of chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, God is saying the word is very near to you. We already said that God has already revealed the invisible things of him from the creation of the world, which are clearly seen so that people are without excuse. So he already said that the word is very near you. He said, it's near you, and it's even in your mouth and in your heart. If you come here week after week after week, I've only been here the last 10 years myself, but there are some of you who've been here longer than that. The word is always near you, and it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That you may do it. But then he goes further, and he says that I have set before you life and death, blessing and and cursing. Well, first he says, I've set before you life and good, death and evil. But in the following verse 19, he says, listen, I am calling heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. See, listen, life gives you a test every single day, doesn't it? You don't know what's coming your way at any time, do you? 
But God is standing up there in heaven. And he's saying, look, I am putting before you life and death, blessing and cursing. People, the devil is out to kill you. He's out to kill your children. We just had an example of it. That's why we just prayed for our children. That's why every Wednesday I'm telling your teenagers day after day, week after week, listen, the devil has a plan for your life, but God has a better one. And God says, look, choose life. It's as if he cheats for you and he says, choose life. He takes death and he puts it behind him and he says, choose life. But then he says, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. See, people, I come from a family who struggled with drugs and alcohol and hard living, and most of them are not even here. But when I looked up and I saw death and life in front of me, I said, Lord, I need to live a different life. So, God, I'm calling on you to give me a life that pleases you. Give me a life that glorifies you. Give me a life that represents you and your word. And I promise you, with every chance I take, I will choose life. Said that you and your descendants may live. Ladies and gentlemen, you sitting in the chair today are the matriarchs and patriarchs of future generations that are going to sit back in their chairs and they're going to talk about how God moved in your life. And when they saw how God moved in your life, they said, if God can move in her life, he can move in mine. And if God can move in my life, it can move in my children's life. If God can move in my children's life, he can move in my grandchildren's life. And on down through the generations, because those who call upon the name of the Lord shall never be put to shame. Choose life. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, some of us struggle. I understand that. We all struggle. I struggle. You struggle. Because we're in these sinful, awful bodies. Paul said that in in Romans chapter 7. He said, that which I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do. And I do that, that do, that do, that did he. But he made it clear that it is the sin that is in us. God knows that our flesh is just like grass. It withers away. That's why he says, choose life. Just simply choose life. We don't understand how much time we have left. We don't understand how much time our loved ones have left. The very people that you put on this board, God can call them home today. The very people who you may see will be here today and won't be here tomorrow. You look at the news every single day, and every day somebody is losing their lives. God, if I mean, people, if you know what's most important to God, I'm going to tell you right now. Other than you living a holy and separated life, it's saving the souls of the lost. People, we got a responsibility We have a responsibility, starting with ourselves, then with our families, then with society, then with the world. Our responsibility is to save souls because the Bible says that he that saves souls is wise. You want to be wise in the eyes of the Lord? Save souls. It's not about buddying up with people because you want to be cool. It's not buddying up with your girl because y'all want to have a pretty fest. It's not about buddying up with your guys because you want to see who's the hardest, who's the thuggiest, who's the manliest. It's about going to your brother and saying, brother, I understand that you do not know the Lord Jesus. But if you trust everything that I'm going to say to you, not only will you see me in heaven, but you'll see yourself in heaven and you will see your descendants in heaven. People, it is all about getting to heaven. It's all about eternal life. That's all 
all that matters in the eyes of the Lord. The only thing that matters also is the love that you share when you share the eternal life of God with other people. It's about reaching the lost, saving the sinners, and releasing the leaders when you bring them here. If somebody hadn't prayed for me, people, I don't know where I would be. Some folks look at me and they say, ah, oh, brother, you got it all together. You had it all together. I can tell you there are people in this place right now that can tell you such, such and such once upon a time that I am a walking miracle because somebody prayed for me. I am, and I'm closing out right now. We didn't went over so much word today that you guys receive. You've been blessed. But I am a huge football fan. And most of you in here know, as much as I love my beloved Lions, until they find themselves, there is another gentleman that I admire when he's on the football field. He goes by the name of Thomas Edward Brady for the New England Patriots. Isn't it amazing how this last Super Bowl at halftime, he was down 21 to three. His opponents, the Falcons, had increased their lead to 28-3 by midway through the third quarter. It looked pretty bleak. Loss of the game was imminent and defeat was certain until the Patriots, under the leadership of Tom Brady, scored 25 unanswered points to tie the game at 28 apiece. He drove 75 yards down the field and won with a two-yard overtime touchdown to win their fifth Super Bowl. By the game's end, over 30 Super Bowl records had either been broken or matched. Tom Brady had broken several single-handed Super Bowl records and was named Super Bowl MVP for the fourth time. That's my dude. But guess what? A man by the name of Jesus Christ was down 42 generations by halftime. Sin and death had increased its lead to 43 midway through the third quarter. It looked pretty bleak. The loss of mankind was imminent and the death of man was certain until Jesus scored 33 unanswered points, being wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we were healed. He drove the cross 75 yards down the Villa Della Rosa and up Calvary's hill. He nailed himself between the goalposts to be numbered with the transgressors. He bled from his veins and from his head he died. But by the game's end, the power of sin and death had been broken. The yoke of human bondage had been destroyed. Jesus had single-handedly rose back to life, broke the enemy's power, and was named MVP, King of Kings and Lord of Lords from all time. Jesus is Lord. He never loses. He never cheats. He's never going to lose a single soul. And he'll never lose his jersey. I'm going to close out right now. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment. 
I have heard story after story about people who died and was brought back to life by, med by medical miracles. But what they said they saw on the other side was mind-blowing. People who had already confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, they said they saw the light of heaven. They walked on the streets of gold. They saw grass that was as green as they've ever seen. They saw loved ones that they hadn't seen since they were alive. Now, if this was a fluke or a hoax, it doesn't matter to me because the Bible tells us what's to happen after this. But then there are some people who say, I passed away. I was marked dead at a certain time. And I was dead for five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And I went into a very, very dark and scary place. And I smelled sulfur and fire. And I heard people screaming and agony and torment. And when I got down there, I recognized there was no more hope for me. Some people didn't know where they were, some people did know. But when they came back, they all had the same stories. When I went to that place, I knew I did not want to go back. But when I went to that other place, I knew I wanted to go back. People, heaven and hell is real. It's time we start acting like heaven and hell is a real place because it is. The Bible says in Revelations 20, he said, I saw around the throne the dead, great and small, and books were open. And another book, which was the book of life. And he said, those whose names were not in the book were cast into the lake of fire. People, I cannot stand to be burned for a second, let alone for eternity. People, there's some of you in here who need to know the Lord right now. Some of you in here who know somebody who needs to know the Lord right now. I'm telling you right now, if you know you need the Lord, you need to get down to this altar. You need to pray the Lord's forgiveness. You need to repent. We all need to. But here's another thing. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And that's all that matters. Oh, won't you come? Won't you come? Make peace with the Lord right now. If there's anybody here. Then there's another set of you who maybe was walking with the Lord and you just haven't been lately. Listen, he's not mad at you. He wants to hear from you. He wants to be with you here and in the next life. If that's you, make your way down. And then there's some of you who are walking with the Lord, but you just need to walk closer. You just need to do better. You just need to be the best. And that's what God wants for you. For whatever the reason is, he's calling you. We don't know what tomorrow brings. He said, choose life that you might live. And because you live, your descendants may live. I'm gonna pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, for each and every person that's here, God, I'm asking for a special blessing. I'm asking for salvation right now. I'm asking, oh God, that for those who know they need you, for those that know they need to draw closer, God, I pray that you draw them closer. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you save the sinner right now that you lead him to repentance. Lead her to repentance. There is a need for you at this very moment. 
and those under the sound of my voice as the Lord called we prayed Lord Jesus come into my heart save my soul forgive me for my sins bring me closer to you guide me in the way of righteousness cleanse me from all unrighteousness and fill me with your spirit we thank you we praise you in Jesus name and all of God's people said amen Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org.